It's June 21st, 2021. This is Rook. With an ever-increasing number of Iranians living outside of Iran, how do you teach your kids to speak or retain Persian? And even if they do go to Persian school, how can you prep them for the experience? Azadeh Shams is an Iranian-Italian designer who had a hunch that toys for toddlers using the Persian alphabet would be a smart way to get them weaned onto Persian language. She launched a line of games and toys called AZ Toys that have become a sensation for Iranian parents around the world. Azadeh Shams joins us from Italy on teaching the alphabet from A to Z with an emphasis on Farsi. Plus, we have your letters. This is Conversations From to and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 120 of Rook. Hope you're keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Salam, Dustana Aziz, Durud. We are coming to you from the heart of Toronto, Toronto, Canada. Uh, are we on an ongoing mission, Keon? Yes, yes, we are. Yes, on we this are. Ongoing mission, we as are on you an say. Ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity, Keon. And what's encyclopedia in Persian? Uh, <laughs> this is two weeks ago. This is a very <laughs> controversial. Uh, it is Shenos <laughs> Nome. Close, close, close. No, I know what it is. <laughs> but I don't know that fancy word, that the Arabic word. Uh, coming to you on rookmedia.com. All things rook. The website is rookmedia.com, or if you want to head uh, straight to any of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Telegram, and on all of those channels, it's Rook Media is where you go. Azadeh Shams joining me in just a little while from Milan, Italy. Did you go to Persian school, Kion? Of course I did. Didn't every Persian kid get forced into going to Persian school? <laughs> See, I I went for a little bit and then we left England, came to Canada. Oh, lucky and you. Had to have oh, aren't yeah. you lucky? I was forced. Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, right. we were dragged. Why is it always on Saturday mornings? I don't mornings? know. It's yeah. like literally yeah. torture. Ruining our can, Saturday mornings. Right. Yeah. It was but <laughs> did you, and you clearly have retained nothing from it. Well, yeah. I, I can read in Persian, oh, actually, right. a little bit, yeah. yeah. But it, it read was just, in quotations. It was just but, yeah. a clown class, like literally, <laughs> like we would just make fun of the teacher <laughs> and books would get thrown around. So you guys, uh, you... Johnny Come Lately, it's from uh, <laughs> who came from Shiraz last week. You right. you don't know what it's like the the I mean, misery. The, the misery, <laughs> the imprisonment of Persian school. It's like solitary confinement, and even that's a luxury compared to Persian school. I mean, it's a uh, no. It was. I mean, it's just. I don't even know. I guess as a kid, you know. Now I think, man. 
I should have embraced those classes, embraced the teacher. Thank you for teaching me and learn more, you know, and invested more. But at the time, it just seems like, really, I'm missing Saturday morning cartoons right. to come to this, you know, schoolhouse. <laughs> <Right>. for, <laughs> this this wooden chair with a shack that I, I was actually in high school. But like, in my mind's eye, it was a shack. So anyway, Oza de Shams, I love this. She's figuring out a way to, like, why start the kid at, at the age of six mm. or whenever, you know, you start Persian school traditionally. Why not begin the, the weaning process with, with Persian, with language, with Farsi at mm. an earlier age? Mm. So she's created these toys um, and games that toddlers, little kids can play that get them familiar with the alphabet, the Persian mm. alphabet. If you're living in Iran, she makes the case, I mean, We'll talk to her in a little bit, but that you're surrounded by the Persian alphabet. So uh, if you're a little kid and you're driving uh, with your yeah, parents in the true. streets, you see the Persian alphabet. Anywhere you go, in restaurants, on menus, on the names of stores, it's the Persian alphabet. But if you're living in outside of Iran, like we were growing up, mm-hmm. you, you have no... Nothing. Exposure yeah. to the alphabet right. until you get to Persian school, and all of a sudden it's like, what? What is right. this? Yeah. These look like little worms. You know, <laughs> what are these words? What are these? Yeah. You know. So right. yeah. And what were the first Persian words you really retained? Mm. It's always the swear words. Am I not? Am no, I, wrong? <laughs> I see. I didn't grow up like I didn't know any swear words no. until like no. My parents sort of inoculated me from that. You know, <laughs> I did know Hamas <laughs> Karanat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I, don't. I, I mean, I still like literally, uh, I'll be at like a gathering of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. cool kids, people like Shia and Reza. They'll say a word and, and I'll innocently ask, oh, what, is, what does that mean? And they'll be like, ah, <laughs> laughing at me. Uh, and, and they'll say, it means hole in the ass or something, you know. And I'll think, my father never taught me that. You know, my like, mother did. Did you ever watch those black and white Persian <laughs> movies like Sam or even any of the other dramatic ones. No. They were just always so extreme and like, oh, she she with me gum. Like, oh, you know, those. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were some recordings and things yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were so great. Well, listen, Aza Desham's coming to us from Milan in, in just a few moments and she'll talk to us about AZ toys, which I think should be Aussie toys. Aza de, Aussie, you know, oh, but, yeah. but I think she's AZ mean A to Z, you yeah. know. Speaking of a facility for languages, we have a new member of the Rook team who is a uh, young superwoman. Uh, in fact, her name is Super Parisa, oh. Super Parisa. Uh, not, Captain Reza, you remember Super Mario. That's right. Right? The plumber, could he could do anything. And that's right. This is uh, Super Parisa. <laughs> she can do it. So she's been a, a Rook fan for a while. Uh, and she'd been writing to me saying, you know, she wanted to work on the show and uh, how can she help out and whatever. And, you know, we get those kind of letters and I thought it was very nice. I hadn't responded. Uh, you know, I've got, got a few letters from it. And then she said, I'm, I'm doing media studies. I've been doing media studies at Centennial College for the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, Centennial College is in Toronto. In Canada. Right. Right. Uh, so finally, I responded and said, this is great. I mean, if you'd like to come intern or help out or something like that, you know, uh, I understand you're in Toronto. And she said, no, <laughs> I'm in Iran. Whoa. So she was doing Centennial College, especially because of COVID, mm-hmm. as an international student remotely. Right. right? right. So she, she has 
landed in Canada a month ago. She was living in Mashhad and listening to Rook for the last year. Isn't that cool? Never been outside of uh, Iran. Has just moved to Toronto. No word of her lie. Her English is better than Reza's. Honestly. Which isn't saying a lot. (laughs) I'm, it's not I can, and not I, her wrong. penmanship is definitely better oh, than that. I mean, she writes English like I mean, it, it's like, can you please? Your first job at Rook is to tutor Reza how to speak. <laughs> Guy's been here for twenty years. Does uh, Does Azad also do English? Maybe Reza can benefit. <laughs> me some Let's get, if we can get some playing blocks for Reza to learn how to <laughs> write English. <laughs> I no, think I'm more eligible for that. Kind you of have a lovely, I don't want to ruin your beautiful latch. <laughs> no. uh, so anyway, Super Parisa, she's, you know, just landed from Mashhad. She, you know, speaks wonderful English. And the other thing I, I, I really love about having her on the team is, you know, Groovy Shia was up until this point, I'm sorry, mm. you've been displaced, was our most recent reference point of someone who had been living uh-huh. in Iran, right? And we, I was starting to get letters too, and from people like they were. Uh, sorry, Shai, but I, uh, you know, people would write to me and go, you know, you have some older people who are kind of out of touch with what's happening in, in Iran right now. Uh, you know, like Shai's at his mid thirties, right? It's like older people who like came from Iran a while ago. Like you don't know what it's like in today, you know? And, yeah, yeah. Because that Shia, what has it been now? Two and a half years, three years? Yeah, about three years, yeah. And I guess a fair bit can happen in three years. But so all of our, you know, whenever we want to know what's happening in Iran, we're like, Shia, what? You know, and he's like, "Mm, to buy bread is not easy, you know. And then, uh, and now Super Parisa, she just, you know, I mean, we can say like, hey, what happened in in Mashhad last month? (laughs) And she will respond in perfect English. You know, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I have to ask her if she knows what that means. She needs to learn pretty quickly, <laughs> given that nobody knows what that means. But Captain Reza does make a, a mean uh, barbecue chicken. Does he, he really? Had a little barbecue last yeah. night, yeah. and. Uh, very nice. Thank you. Very oh, nice. Thank you. Gee, guys. thanks, guys, Oops, for the invite. Sorry about That's that. so, <laughs> wow, it was such a good time. I had so much fun. Oh, wait, I wasn't there. Wow. Well, you were at the lake, probably. Wow. We just figure you're not in town. You guys you know? are the worst. No, no, you guys. It was his. You know, he did the invite. <laughs> so what rude. happened, Reza? Why isn't Keon? Well, it was. Uh, it was a couple's invite thing. I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, and I'm <laughs> so single over here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Keon I'm joking. can't find a date. Let's not. Well, it wasn't actually my party. It was my oh. girlfriend's party, right? Oh, okay, okay. And uh, she's been meaning to invite uh, Gian over for dinner because Gian invited us before, mm-hmm. uh, like a few months ago for dinner. So mm-hmm. there was kind of a, you know, get the Persians do no that. Bati. No, no bad tea. No bad tea. It's, uh, it's her turn yeah. to like give back or whatever. So she, uh, yeah, we had a little barbecue party at her backyard. It's quite lovely. And I cooked some mean chicken. Kebab? Yeah. Uh-huh. Juje right. and Chenje. Meaning he bought some marinated <laughs> yeah. chicken and put it yeah, on the barbecue, yeah, yeah. but it was still yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty accurate. So, yes. but I had to uh, uh, like uh, I'm trying to watch all the Euro, uh-huh. so I was like speed watching it. Like I was because I taped them and I watched them all the football. You know the, the football. T- I was speed watching it on the way to your place. Yeah, <laughs> really? to, to your, your girlfriend's place. Yeah, uh, and um, yeah, because I, I want to always watch what's happening mm. in the football championship. So by the way, Saturday. Mm. I don't know if you guys were watching. Yeah, Germany, you, Portugal. Well, yeah, Which, but okay. did you watch Hungary and France? No, I skipped that one. Uh, 
Why'd you say it like that? Because I, I, I didn't have time okay. to watch Well, that France thing. is like arguably the best team right, in the world. Right, right, right. And Hungary, you know, which, yeah. do you know what the word for Hungary is? No. Well, yeah, this is a really interesting one because we have like France, France, um, England, Englistan. You know what Hungary, Hungary is? No. Majoristan. What? Uh, exactly. Where does that come from? I have no idea. I only know that because I visited my cousin who was studying there. My cousins yeah. were in, 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 Hungary in Hungary about 10 years ago. And so that's why I knew Majoristan. But it's, I mean, you know, from? it sounds like it's like, okay, Tajikistan, Majoristan, like they're all in that area or something. Yeah. Randomly. Yeah. I'm sure you have a Shia. Is there a reason why it's Majoristan? No. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure there is. But there probably is. But yeah. I thought you would have. Well, ask Patty uh, later. No, when they originally. Yeah. So, Hungary, which is obviously the uh, underdog when mm. playing France, mm-hmm. tied France. Wow. Right? I didn't even know that. Wow. That's right. Yeah. They scored. A, I mean, they actually, they scored the first goal, then Griezmann, then France uh, you know, tied it. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and yeah. so, and when Hungary uh, scored, Oogie, my French bulldog, was in the room. And, <laughs> you know, now sometimes he hears like the crowd you know yeah. screams or something like that so he that gets him up and he gets it but hungry scored and he and he ran around in a circle he was like you know. <laughs> and then i remembered do you know this no do you, you, oh, i think i've mentioned it before you guys have forgotten oogie's actually an immigrant from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From and Hungary? where is yes. Oogie from? Is he from Hungary? Oh, from He's from Hungary. <laughs> so Oogie knew, like <laughs> Oogie was somehow watching and was like, "These are my people, wow. the Hungarians." No and the, the the paradox is that he's a French bulldog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of paradoxes. Believe me, I got him from a purebred Canadian oh breeder and then God. found out he was from Hungary. But but <laughs> but I love that he's an, an immigrant. You know, he's bicultural, yeah. so like good. like so like we are. And I'm teaching him Farsi with the help of Aussie toys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so That's Oogie so did a little dance for Majoristan. Don't you love that? Uh, if you like what you hear on this program, please uh, head to our website and become a patron of Rook. For 5 or $10 a month, you can uh, help us crowdsource this uh, effort to this project. It's at uh, rookmedia.com. Go to the Support Us button, and it's pretty simple from there. We really appreciate those of you who have become patrons of Rook and help us keep this thing going. All right. We got some letters, Keon? Yeah, yeah, we do. From last week's uh, Nikki Nojumi episode. Ah, yeah. The Fabulous Painter. All right, we'll get to those letters. The Fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia. Let's get to our future guest. My guest today is an Iranian-Italian designer who was born in Iran and moved to Italy to begin her studies in product design at the age of 19. After stints in Florence and New York City, Oza Deschamps moved back to Milan, where she received a master's in design and engineering at the Politecnico di Milano, and now she's found a way to express her troika of passions that are design, languages, and children by creating a popular new line of toys for toddlers called AZ Toys, or Aussie Toys, that, among other things, help kids living outside of Iran learn how to speak Persian. Right now, Aza Deshams joins me from Milan, Italy today. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this. You know, I'm I'm happy we're doing this interview in English because this is an English program. But, you know, you're the language uh-huh. person with family in the States, so I fully <laughs> expect you to speak English. Uh, but I must say, it's, it, it is very impressive that I understand you can fluently speak uh, in Persian, in Italian, in English, and in German, right? Well, German, I don't. I'm not fluent in German. I understand like um, 
I a little. Your husband is Swiss and Austrian, so his language growing up was German, right? Yes, he was born and raised in a German family, but in Italy. So he's exactly bilingual. He learned Italian from the society and outside and German from the family and school. So he's real bilingual. When you guys get into a fight, you're yelling in Persian and, and he's yelling in German? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the best fight that we have. <laughs> you know, you you are, I think you're proof of your own mission in that you live in Milan, you're married to a German guy, you're, and, and yet your kid's first language is Persian. It's very impressive. Did you yes. anticipate you would have such multilingual no, progeny? No. Honestly, no, uh, because I saw so many like the relatives, family, friends that they their children grew up in outside Iran and Farsi is not their first language. They might speak it, but uh, it's not their first language. They don't prefer to speak Farsi uh, with their friends and sisters or brothers, you know, with the with the family member if if they don't have to, if they don't have grandmother or grandfather around or they are not, you know, the family forced them to, to, to speak. Of but uh, it didn't happen to, to me. I don't know. Um, my my daughter still speaks uh, Farsi with her uh, brother, even if I'm not around, even if they are at home with their dad. They speak Farsi uh, to each who, other, the yes, kids. Yes, to each other. Wow. Fact, yeah. Um, Wow. That, that's amazing. I mean, sometimes I come back home and I hear them because we're in the first floor. So I hear them from the street also, you know, the kids yell. And they're speaking Farsi. I'm like, oh, my God, they're alone. I'm not around. I know their dad doesn't understand. You know, kids get that, that they need to speak a language that people around them should understand. But sure. in, in my case, it didn't happen. So that's that's amazing. Let me come back to that. Mm -hmm. the, the imperative of the first and generation, uh, second generation uh, uh, parent uh, to the kid and, and what language you're going to bring them up in. Because I, I want to I talk about that in terms of the reaction you've gotten to your toy line. But uh, let me start with this. Did you ever expect that you would be an educational toy designer in Italy when you were a young art student in Iran? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, uh, I wanted to be an architect, but uh, well, the life has has changed my my decisions, and now here I am. No, I did. I've never thought that I would be educational toy designer. Never, even like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, and and, and De Deanna is six years old, right? Your oldest child. Deanna, yes, Deanna is uh, seven. So things changed when you uh, when you had kids. I, you know, nevertheless, whether this was your dream or not to be a toy designer, you're very passionate about it. And you are passionate about how the tools that kids play with can really shape how yes. they grow up and who they become. I've heard you say in an interview, Azadeh, uh, mind you, you said this in yeah. Farsi. For us, these are just toys. But for the kids, this is life. What does that exactly. mean when you say that? Einstein once said, uh, play is the highest form of research. It's mm -hmm. his, his sentence. And uh, if we work with toddlers, not just children, but toddlers, you, you will see that how they are discovering life around them just with touching things. And they make them, for us, they, they, they call it toys. They, for them, everything is toy. Everything is uh, mm -hmm. instrument to 
to learn and to discover a, wor a world uh, around them. Right. So if we can give them like the opportunity to touch and play with some things that which is not dangerous for them, but also teaches them somehow indirectly something, I think that's an educational toy. And what did it, so, so? I'm guessing that w when you wanted to invent something with AZ toys that that you felt didn't exist, was it the component of of young toddlers, particularly young children, learning from what they play with? Yes, because I used to uh, take my daughter to some Montessori uh, playgrounds and um, like uh, a kindergarten. But the kids have to have a family member or someone with them. Ah. Uh, you, you won't let you in. You won't um, leave them there. It's not a kindergarten. Uh -huh. And there are other people to organize different workshops with with children from one year, from three months of age, actually. And uh, that's very amazing to see how different children uh, respond to different things, from touching, from hearing, from playing with some things, and. Uh, well, actually, the first jaraqe uh, <laughs> came from these uh, environments that I was uh, going uh, with my daughter. I used to take her tw twice a week with the Italian environment and two times a week in an English in a German environment. And so that's why I was feeling that okay, the the Persian environment is <laughs> it's not enough. So I have to make that happen on my own. So I start to make those things, but playing in Farsi, entering alphabet in it, so trying to make that uh, with the Persian language. I should just note that I've been calling it AZ Toys or Aussie Toys. I, I think you, you with AZ Toys, it's any A's A to Z, right? The the exactly, full the full yeah. alphabet, but but it is a play on your name, which is Azadeh. So I would think it's Aussie Toys, right? Yeah, but also that that's why I mean, actually, when I uh, when I chose the name, I wanted to be just A Z without an I at the end. Uh -huh. AZ toys from A to Z, but then I thought it's mostly it's going to be a Persian alphabet, and our alphabet starts from A but finish with Ya, which is E, Aleph Ta Ya. Ah. So AZ, AZI uh, has beginning and the end of both alphabetical systems, so that's Aussie, and then Khali Tasso do fits my name too, so. That's right. <laughs> just happens to be your name. How fortunate that is. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I'm going to encourage people to go to your your website or your Instagram so they can actually see these toys. But mm -hmm. but you know, describe it for me. Describe. You have a toy line, for example, called Mana. Can you explain yes. uh, simply for folks listening around the world how it reinforces learning the Persian alphabet? Um. That's actually more for the children that they grew up outside of the country. Because, you know, when a child is um, born in Iran, going outside and, and looking just outside, you will see these alphabet, you will see these names. I mean, there's these words on the banks and on the streets and your aunt's house. Everywhere it's these alphabets are. So when the kids go to school in Iran at six years old, they almost know the, the the graphic form is so familiar, but the, with the, when a kid grow up outside of a country, uh, it's like uh, it's so um, 
it's really unfamiliar. Foreign, it's kind yeah. Of, I mean, it looks like gobbledygook to those of exactly. us who don't, yeah. So I think they should, uh, it was my idea that uh, the kids don't see them enough. So they have to see them at the beginning uh, from one year or, or even from the beginning, actually, from, from the first day. And they can have a kind of connection with these alphabet. Because when a, grow, when a child is grew up in, in U.S. or born in U.S. and six years old, when they go to Persian school, they already know how to read and write probably in English. They already know how to communicate. They don't need to see that, to, to know that alphabet. And they're uh -huh. doing it to just make their parents probably, I mean, maybe maybe 80%, 20%. Okay, now maybe they, they really want to learn. But if we start, I mean, this is my idea, that if we start from the one-year-old to two-year-old, start to playing with them, start to introducing these forms to them that they become a little familiar. When they are three or four, start to teach them like always indirectly through, through playing, through songs and through games, they will learn that automatically and they don't know what happened. You know, at six years, like my daughter, that's my case study actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my daughter is my sixth in case study. And at six years old, they already know that, and but they didn't have to. We didn't force them. So uh, that they'll playing. have some kind of facility. This is fascinating and because you're absolutely yeah. right. When I, when I uh, growing up in England, I went to Persian school. I guess I probably would have started when I was around six uh, for mm -hmm. a little while. I mean, then we left England and you know, <laughs> but I, but, <laughs> but I, I remember it being really hard because exactly as you say, I was already speaking and writing in English as a six-year-old in England, but I, this was a whole new foreign, you know, experience to me because I hadn't grown up yeah. in Iran. So, are there studies that show that if you, if you're familiar with the alphabet somehow, that it's going to be, it's it's going to create a facility for learning it at the age of six when you start that Persian school? Uh, yeah, I just saw some uh, conferences. I, I don't remember actually where I, I remember it was on TED Talk. So, I, but I don't remember who was them. Um, that they were actually saying the same things that uh, the children they learned without even knowing them. So, if they see something from the beginning, uh, this going to be familiar with them. It's almost intuitive. Uh, it's like, exactly. I mean, it's it's enough to be under sheets, you know, with some stickers that they put them in their books, or it it doesn't have to be, you know, school. You don't have to say a children uh, make him sit and say, okay, this right. is ah, this is but no, it's just enough to be around, you know. Um, and it's going to be familiar with them. I myself think if, if at six years old, uh, someone asked me to learn like Chinese alphabet, something that for me, it's really foreign. I have no idea. I think it's really hard. And um, that's why I think, but if I have seen them, I have interacted with them through playing or games from the beginning, probably shouldn't be that hard. So that's the same thing with Persian alphabet. And also our alphabet, it's not that much difficult that we think because there are new methods that nowadays also in Iran and Amzush Parvash, they, they teach like that. It's much more easier than when I went to school. Hmm. So if we just put together all these systems from the beginning, just from three or, three or four, most of my students now, they, are, they have four years old. From age four, 
they can read now. They won't be able to write because they are too small. You know, writing is, but they can read. And I always told, tell them that it's your superpower. This is superpower. Go to school and see how many of your classmates know how to read and write in completely different alphabets. So this is your, your superhero. So this is your <laughs> superpower. <laughs> I still find it very hard, the Persian alphabet. So I think I, I need to start with the mana myself. I still the, the playing blocks <laughs> when I'm at home to familiarize myself. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure because I know them who, for example, want to accomplish the same thing through some kind of osmosis of, you know, if we just play Persian music in the house or have Persian TV on some satellite channel or something like that, that the kid will get that kind of familiarity. Is there something about playing with the blocks, like with the toys that accomplishes that in a more profound way? Yes, of course, because you're um, involving another sense. I mean, it's not just hearing, it's touch. Uh, it's like the basic basic uh, science. If you involve more sense to for learning to, to, for kids, and they will learn it faster and better, and it's remain better. So that, that that's the whole idea of the Montessori things, that they, they, the children should touch things, touch the alphabet, trace the alphabet. It's not just seeing it and mm. writing. They should trace it. If you trace just a T, for example, it will remain in your memory like eight times more than if you just look at it. Wow, you know? right. So right. if you involve more senses, that, of course, help, especially children. Tell me a bit about your story. You, you, you grow up in Iran. Did your parents encourage you to get into design, or, or was your dad, like many Persian dads, more intent on engineering or something? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, he's a Persian dad. He was a Persian dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he wanted to me to be, to, uh, he wanted me to be an engineer, and my mom was hoping me to be a doctor, of course, <laughs> and, I, and I went to art school. So <laughs> that's, I think, it's a very common story. No, they didn't want me to. Uh, it For them, it wasn't a very serious job. I mean, you can have art, you can do this maskarbozi beside being engineer, you know. Right. And, or you can be doctor and draw, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <So. laughs> what about now that, I mean, how does your mom feel about the fact that you've invented this uh, popular, uh, these toys now? I now mean, she's, she, got she's, she's very happy. She's very happy. And I have to say now, she was very supportive. She was really supportive. Now, my dad wasn't, I mean, my dad wasn't even... Um, agree with me to come to to Italy. Well, know, I was going to say, your parents must have been supportive enough yeah. to let a 19-year-old Persian girl who had just been living in Tehran to go to Florence by herself and, and take design. I mean, that's a shot in the arm of support, right? There's some parents who wouldn't allow yes. that. Yes. I mean, right now, if I think that my daughter at 19 years old wants to go to a country that I've never been there, I don't know the language, I don't know the history, we have no one there we didn't have even one friend here so yeah I, I thank them always for that so what was it like for you when you got to Florence as a 19 year old uh, was it everything you had dreamed of no I, I've never dreamed of Florence but now yes now it's uh, I'm very happy that I was there <laughs> but that uh, I didn't want to go to Florence I want I wanted to go to France I didn't want to even go to Italy oh. at first but then after some years I fell in love with this country 
No, I'm really lucky because uh, yes, it's the most beautiful city in in Italy, in one of the most beautiful city in the world. Yes, but um, from the language point of view, I was lucky to be there because I don't want to go to the history, but Italian language comes from Florence. You know, it was the Florence language that they choose for the national language, so they speak the real Italian there. And when I learned Italian there, now I say some things, I can like conjugate verbs or grammatical points that maybe the people of Milan do not know. Mm. And because Italian language is a very new language for the people, it's not like Farsi, you know, it's very new, it's like 400 years. So there are so many people that make mistakes, grammatical mistakes that... Uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, hang, hang on a second. The Italian language is only 400 years old? The, the Italian that we call it now, yes, it wow. was, um, it was, um, they call it vol, uh, lingua volgare, it was Zabone Cuccia Bozore Marto Me Florence. Oh, but so no, street no language. Had, exactly, it was a street language. And Dante it was actually the first person who, uh, one of the most important person who decided to use that language to write um, Divina Commedia, Commedia La Hishrone Veshbon Zabon. Right. I, I was telling that, like, other people, like in other in other city, they are speaking Italian like for four or five generations, not more than that. But people of Florence, no. So I told I told you all these things to see. I was lucky because I learned Italian language and Italian culture from the city of Renaissance, from mm, the city right, of right. You know the where the language was born, and that that's. That's um, I feel really lucky. So now let me ask you about this this decision. As I said earlier, that I want to come back to. A lot of parents of first or second generation kids struggle with what language to speak at home, how much of the ancestral culture to bring into their kids' lives. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of conversations were you having with your husband, who is uh, Swiss, Austrian, German-speaking, uh, living in Italy with you? Uh, and what have you learned about the kind of conversations people have about this through the products that you've developed? Well, <laughs> raising multilingual child is uh, it's 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 easy, but not very difficult at the same time because if the parents are agree with each other if they are okay with that everything is super easy and uh, so I, everything is depend on them uh, depends on parents that doesn't depend on a child doesn't depend on which country do you live in it, it depends on father and mother and that's it i'm pretty sure if my daughter will see me speaking italian with her even few words even in just rarely situation rare situation she will respond in italian and she won't speak farsi but when she sees that i don't care what people say i don't care what where we are and i don't care who is looking Mm. at us i will speak farsi to her and i don't care but i'm a very social person too so i just found a way that you know even if seems awkward but i try to find a way to um make the i mean i translate for them with, with, with the smile and like but when i look at my daughter i speak farsi that's it there's no way i, I don't know if this is a, a strange question but when one parent uh, has a strong it's completely fluent in, in, a, in a language and, and it is their ancestral uh culture language uh and the kids learn that language uh mm-hmm. does it 
in terms of the politics of the home and the equity between the two parents, does it give, I mean, when you talk about superpowers, is it an, an unfair advantage or does it somehow make the kids build a stronger bond with you if they can speak a language with you that your husband can't speak? Well, yeah, I mean, that's um, yeah, of course, that's uh, a tough that's, one. Uh, that, that's a bad situation for for parents because now my my children speaks the language that we don't understand. I mean, I don't understand German. He doesn't understand Farsi, but they know they know both. So, I mean, it's a disadvantage for for parents, not for the, for the children. <laughs> if you were got to be rock about this, ha- have there mm-hmm. been has there ever been a situation? I mean, maybe you know where your husband would say. Why are you know? Why do they know so much Farsi? It's it's putting me at a in a weird position that they're speaking uh, Persian all the time. No, he've never said that. But even if he thinks that, I mean, we were in so many situations when we are in Austria with Austrian parents. Everybody speaks German, and I don't I don't understand that much. You know, especially if they are speaking Austrian with accent and dialect, I don't understand a word. But I I'm there and enjoying, and the only thing that I'm feeling is i'm feeling so proud of these little children that they know something that me and 40 years old i don't he's just four years old and i'm just i'm just amazed by their power and i'm just proud i don't care if they are talking bad (laughs) behind my back or anything they're saying even to me i don't care but it's just amazing to see how human being is capable of yes. and everything else whatever they say is just it's I, I don't care i'm just looking at this image and i think my, my my husband is the same too i mean i see i look at them sometimes that we are arguing in farsi and really are like yelling oh, and he's just looking at us with a smile you know even if i'm telling him okay, but he's looking at us with a smile doesn't understand what i'm saying but i see that that's the important thing i mean not important what we say i mean what we say is just some minutes and it goes away but what it stays it all these power culture history and and yeah everything like the soul that we're giving to the children so i mean i don't understand those people who say you have to speak english in front of everybody else if someone doesn't understand farsi it's Zeshte, if you speak Farsi, what what is Zeshte? What I'm possibly can tell to a three years old a political discussion <laughs> or or what? What is Zeshte? I'm telling you, know, I'm talking about probably food. While you're thirty, you go wash your hands. I, I guess the it. the idea is it's it's not inclusive. It's it's you're somehow leaving people yeah. out. Now let me get back yeah. to the toys. I, but by the way, that was very beautiful yeah. what you just said about the wonder of watching these kids. It is amazing. Yeah. Uh, watch uh, multilingual kids. In fact, multi bilingual people I'm so inspired by you know I especially uh, yeah. for the most part living in North America um, I've, I've always said this but in a, in, in a place like Canada despite the fact that it is as multiracial and it is as much of a mosaic as it is uh, you're hard yeah. pressed to find people here who speak more than say two languages at most where you go to continental Europe and in a place like Denmark and everybody just speaks five languages six languages and yeah. it's just incredible <laughs> It's really, really beautiful yeah. and, and smart. You know, people. You, there's something yes. that you, you you have an as you say a superpower. The more languages you know, you just kind of have this this in with uh, different cultures and and different ideas. Exactly. And to get back to your your, your toys, 
where do you want to take this, uh, Azadijan? How how big do you intend uh, AZ Toys to to get? How ambitious are you? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I have so many projects <laughs> that they are in the line of production, and I want to be. Um, I mean, my. I hope <laughs> that works with designers uh, that they are focused on mother tongues, mother languages, not just Farsi. Because, you know, um, every, if, I don't know if you know that, but every two weeks, a language dies in the world. Mm. So just in one year, we, we're losing uh, uh, 25, 26. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Do the you. math. Yes. My, my math is <laughs> You might be able to speak a hundred languages, but apparently you need some work with the math. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to do some toys for mathematical. Yeah. Anyway, um, the, for, uh, yeah, just to work with the designers or people who want to, these languages to stay, it's not just um, Farsi. I want to, I have a friend, he is... Um, uh, from Israel, and I was talking to him, and we, we are making a project together with Hebrew alphabet, yeah. and uh, uh, that's the whole thing that I wanted to do. I mean, with the, some not not just Farsi, but go with the language, but just encourage people to speak the language because so many people can be bilingual, and they are losing this opportunity just for I don't know for I I think for uh, not enough reasons. Uh, so be multilingual, being more uh, open to the world. Because, you know, each language that you know, it's a point of view. If you think life is, you know, the old Persian architectures that they have, Yehoz, uh, Vasate, and there are so many, the, the, the palaces around it. Yes. Each, each language is like you're standing behind one of these windows and you're mm. looking at that hose. If you know two or three languages, you have more point of view. And of course, you will yeah. see other realities. Mm. So, so many people have the opportunity to be to be multilingual, but they don't. So, I think we, can, we have to start from the children. If we encourage children and their parents to teach them more language, we will have the more open-minded people for the next generations. The world, I think, will be a better place. <laughs> That's really inspiring, and what a great image, that image of people uh, from different perspectives looking at that pool and uh, from different sides of yeah. the home. Uh, thank you for this. Congratulations on on um, creating this uh, line that is uh, taking off and that has inspired so many people and that is doing the good work that you're doing. And, um, thank you so much. Uh, it's very exciting to know that uh, we have someone in Milan that we can come and visit. And, um, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, sure. not in Florence anymore. But, <laughs> but, well, no, no, I'll take Milan anyway. That's all. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's been a pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again. And uh, and I Thank hope for uh, big growth in in AZ Toys over the years. And I'm I'm sure many people will be um, most interested with this interview to check it out and and to, I guess, order your products. For, you go to the website, right? Is that how we do this? Yes. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was a very good. Uh, uh, I had a very good talk. I feel really rock <laughs> about everything. <laughs> merci, <laughs> so comfortable. Merci. Thank you. Thank Arrivederci. Merci. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Bye bye. <laughs>
Azadeh Shams, a designer and artist and the inventor and founder of AZ Toys. Azadeh joined us from Milan, Italy today. Hi, microphone's back on for Captain Reza, Groovy Shy, and the fabulous Keon. How about that, Keon? AZ Toys. Yeah, it was interesting. I, she brought up a point that I never really, I guess it never hit me till this interview. Um, as a kid, you start learning pretty early on. So if you expose kids to things, they will like subconsciously pick it yeah, up. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I didn't think it really that makes way. those formative years yeah are, are so important right, right? That before right. That before you get to, and it's kind of sad you realize like the older you get the facility for languages right, and all that you're right yeah it becomes huh. more difficult uh captain reza yeah it's very true i completely agree with kiana and i never i didn't notice that until she was mentioning it you kind of reflect back i i was remembering when back then when i was in iran like i was little i was like seven six seven years old and uh, we would drive down the street. I would read the signs in the street, and I would get them half right. My mom would correct me. She'd be like, no, this says, like, shoe store or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because the, the thinking about it, I was learning more about a- the actual language, not, like, academically and, the, like, grammatically speaking, but the actual, like, conversational language from what I was reading in the streets and the conversations I would hear sure. as opposed to at school. And also one thing that uh, I'm wondering, if you try to incorporate other your other senses into learning the language, you learn it more comprehensively and better mm. as opposed to just trying to memorize vocabularies. Mm. For yeah. kids, it's most certainly the case, but because um, I've been trying to learn like French. Like seeing the alphabet. Seeing the alphabet, and yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering if, if that applies to adults as well or if it's just for kids. Yeah, uh, certainly not to our staff. Who, uh, <laughs> 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 of the artist who's <laughs> been here for at least four years. And, uh, uh, but, you know, it, it also depends on where you're, where you're located in the country and who your community is. Mm. I mean, this is a, a pet peeve of mine, but we're learning this with a lot of uh, Persians now who come to, I started the show jo- jokingly saying Toronto, mm-hmm. but there are parts of Toronto now that are so Iranian that if you, you can transplant yourself here, Literally. And not have any reason mm-hmm. to speak English mm-hmm. ever. That's true. You know, yeah. and so the uh, the notion that you're coming to an English uh, language speaking country and therefore you're going to learn English is undermined by the fact that your entire circle is just Persian. I'm going to go to this cool. store and then I'm going to talk to this person. Then I'm going to live with someone who's a Persian, and that's all I deal in. You know, mm-hmm. so you kind of almost have to induce the. Uh, the exposure uh, to, to different languages. I mean, I, I thought, I just love the notion of her family, like the triculturalism in her family yeah, of, uh-huh. of uh, her being Iranian-Italian and then her husband being Swiss and Austrian or whatever, and then the, the kids speaking German and, and Farsi and Italian, and, and they, you know, they can speak to them in different languages. And, and then she says that the kid's main language, when they're speaking to each other, is Persian. Hmm. I thought that was fascinating. Yes. I mean, that's just fascinating, right? Yeah. Yes. That yes. rarely ever happens. Yeah. I love that metaphor of uh, an old architecture that if you know any, any la- each language gives you a new window to the yard. You uh, know? Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, metaphor. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and also I, I thought that 
even uh, uh, learning music is like a language and it also gives you another window mm. to mm -hmm. the yard yes interesting mm. Yeah. And is it like that? Like, because I've heard that when you learn like the second language, learning the third language is much easier. Well, it's a, you don't have to hear that. It's I I feel like that's kind of obvious. Those yeah. of us who've grown up mm -hmm. knowing more than one language as we were growing up uh, have a facility for languages that those who are unilingual don't have. I mean, I think that's born out in in Europe, right? Yeah. Where people just walking around speaking, speaking five languages, languages and mm -hmm. they and they can pick up a new one, and it seems like. Uh, it's nobody's business is, is easy whereas it's very hard I mean trying to teach somebody who only speaks English Persian mm -hmm. is very very hard that's yeah. true but does that Shaya do you think that applies to music as well like if you know one instrument is it easier to learn another one Hundred percent. right yeah. yes yes yeah because you know the, ba the basic yeah absolutely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. interesting and also if you know how to read music mm -hmm. you know that also helps to uh, learn music easily because uh, some people uh, learn uh, music just by their ear mm -hmm. which is good but if you can read the music it gives you another window hmm. to gotcha. see music. interesting oh, all right thank you to Aza Deschamps for coming on our show let's get to letters of the week Yeah, the expression on your face is like you need some ads. So I, like, I need something. <laughs> Maybe the boxing glove to punch him in the face. <laughs> oh, All right. So last week on episode 118, we had legendary Iranian-American painter Nikki Nojumi on the show. So we had a few people write into that specific episode. We have a ha Hani Aryan. She wrote, Thank you for another introduction of a great diaspora legend and his exciting journey. As a huge fan of artistic activism and any form of satirical expression, I appreciate his juvenilian style. His lovely personality and storytelling was the highlight, and the beard story was both inspiring and humorous. Love this when describing the undertone of his work, dark minor chord. Great conversation, and as always, a well-crafted interview. Nice. Thank you, honey. And then we have Zoya Katsuli wrote... It is interesting to know him as an artist and get familiar with his work. No country can properly develop without freedom of expression to its artists. Art was always censored under dictator governments. I'm sad he hasn't got the recognition that he deserves. Thank you, Rook, for this interview. Well, he's got a fair bit of recognition. He's in, the, you know, the British Museum and That's the, right. the Met, and, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, It'd be nice if he would get even more. Mm -hmm, you're right. And then we have Shahla Taher wrote, I admire all your interviews from which I learn a lot. All about art, culture, music, sports, and so on. People you represent can be ideal characters for our youth who live in Iran or any other country in the world. And your program is the best time I have as a retired teacher. Oh, that's Aww, nice. Retired teacher. Sweet. Shout out to the teachers. Thank you, Shadla John. Appreciate yeah. that. And then look at that. It's time for the letter of the week. Oh, <laughs> keeping it tight. I like that, Keon. <laughs> All right. So this week's letter of the week goes to Turaj Tehrani. He starts off saying, Aw, Captain Reza. I like your aw. <laughs> 
At least that makes one person rise up. from a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too, Raj. He says, nice work. I started listening to your podcast about two months ago, and I already listened to about 90% of it. Mm. John, please have a little bit of talk about yourself. I had to Google about you to know what a successful person you are. Mm. I really admire you and this program. It's had a big impact in my life and definitely a great source for the next generation. Keep up the great work. I wish I could write more, but just one suggestion. Please include some of the new generation of Iranian artists and scholars inside of Iran on your program. I know a lot of people who studied outside of Iran and went back there to contribute to their country. Their life is inspirational. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Turaj. Appreciate that. Uh, I, I love that he says, I, I wish I could write more. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think you've written enough. <laughs> no, no, I mean, why couldn't he write? My point uh, is, like, uh, write as much as you want, dude. Like, what are you like? Uh, due to these stringent uh, regulations, as imposed by Savi Rohan, uh, I cannot. Uh, <laughs> were I to be able to write more, if uh, producer Susan would allow, I would. Uh, that's really nice. Uh, thank you, Turaj. I don't uh, understand the uh, affinity or interest in Captain Reza, but the rest of the letter was beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, everybody. Um, uh, hey, you know who we got on Thursday coming on the show? Who's that? Sahar Gulshani. Oh, yes, the hilarious Sahar. So funny. Yeah. So funny, but also very real and raw and speaks it like it is. She has a podcast called Unfiltered. Mm-hmm, that's it's a very right. popular, uh, new, uh, I guess, new, <laughs> she's newish, uh, Iranian Canadian um, comedian and writer and uh, social media person. And uh, what else does she do? She's done something else too that's really impressive. She's a design, uh, no, a clothing designer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's clothing designer. Got a merch. Sahar Gulshani. You want to tune in for this one? Mm-hmm. She's going to come into the Rook Studio on Thursday. See you there. See you then. Fabulous Keon, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia. That's full time for Rook for today. For all things Rook-related, head to our website, rookmedia.com. Check out some of Ponta the Artist's handiwork on that website, rookmedia.com. It's also where you can become a patron of our program by pressing the Support Us button. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Producer Susan Ponta the Artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Kian, Savvy Roham, Al-Imertad, Sponsorship Sean, Super Parisa, Captain Reza and Gubi Shaya, thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you have not done so already on any of our platforms. That is free. And you can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. In the meantime, as we say, Mizu Mashi.